going on, everyone? It is Thursday, episode 34 of Bet to Win. I'm Claudia Bellafato. He is Joe Fan. Joe, we've got an awesome show. We're going to break down super wild card weekend slates. And we also have, I think, one of the most exciting guests I think we've had on just because he really is the face of Sundays, Scott Hansen. We get to catch up with him. But before we do that, how are you going to set yourself up this weekend, Joe? What's your super wild card weekend set up? Uh, one TV in my couch okay. is really where we're at, I think. <laughs> um, no, I, I've had a great week. I, I'm going to humble brag about myself real quick. Please do. I put it on Twitter. But your boy shot a 75 in golf for the first time ever. Oh, you my did. personal best. Yeah. Plus three. Which, it's a humble brag. But it's a kind of a worthy brag. Because I, I thought for a long time I would never shoot a 75. And so feels pretty good. Um, I'm, a, I'm a largely average golfer and 75 is much better than average. So no longer and, are you just an average golfer. Well, I'm sure next time I play, I'll be back to being terrible again. But it all came together for one magical round and I sort of felt like a superhero. And so regardless of Alabama losing, which is another L we both get to hold, mm-hmm. <laughs> and our winning picks have just been <laughs> we'll talk, sterling. We don't have to talk about it. Uh, Joe's a golfer. He's a pro golfer now. Vibes <laughs> are high with your boy. I did see that. And someone mentioned, like, well, are you like 6'5"? Because if you see the picture, follow him at Joe, Joe underscore fan. Joe underscore Joe fan. Joe underscore fan. He posted it on there and he's like as tall as the flagpole. You do look super tall, but you are super tall. So I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I do look, it's it's deceiving. As someone was like, it looks like your legs are on stilts or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Just an optical illusion. I'm not, an, I'm 6'3", which is decently tall, but I'm not yeah. seven feet tall. Yeah, you know? that's true. Well, Sincerely, congratulations. That is very exciting. Thank you. I'm very um, pumped. Once I start golfing, I will show you up. But for now, I'll let you have yep. this glory. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Bama. We both were on Bama. Joe took money line. I took him with the points and then sprinkled a little on the money line because how can you lose Nick Saban with the points? Georgia lost the first game and then. It was good. It was good and I felt good. Until it for- wasn't. <laughs> Alabama dominated the first two and a half quarters of that game. Mm-hmm. And then the second Stetson, ben- Stetson Bennett hit that bomb. Oh. It was all over from there. And I said, too, he would have to have like a, a perfect game almost. And the beginning of the game, I was like, oh, I'm all he set. He's fine. And then he makes those few. Well, the issue was, too, Mechie was out for Bama. And, I, and we knew that. And maybe I didn't take it enough. I didn't put too much weight in that because they had seven other receivers, capable receivers. And then Williams got hurt. In early in the second quarter, and that's when I, that's when I knew I almost live bet Georgia, and I really should have, but I thought they were going to be able to pull it out. And congratulations, one of my best friends is the director of recruiting at Georgia, so he definitely hit me up and shit all over my life, and was like, "What is wrong with you? I can't believe you did this." I'm like, dude, dark. I was like, "It's not that deep." I was that's like, it was, it was, and I tried to explain an emotional hedge to him, and he's like, "I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but I'm just offended." Is that how you try to sell it as an emotional hedge? Hundred percent. I, was I like, just wanted you guys like, to win so bad. I was like, Coop, no, like I knew you guys were gonna win, but like if I put money on you, like I did in the SEC championship, then you might have lost. So I was doing it to help you. He's like, "Shut up." I was like, "Okay." I'm sorry, but whatever. I mean, it was, I think they got the most views in history or something for that matchup, which I guess it makes sense, especially once people saw that. It was a really fun game. Um, And I just, it it turned on its head real quick where it was a lot of fun. And I was uh, at a buddy's house and all of us were on Bama. Mm -hmm. So vibes were, we are at a house with, with 
five of us that were Bama fans and one guy who bet on Georgia. The guy who bet on Georgia left after the fumble recovered by Bama when they go, then they went down and scored. He left, stormed out of the house. Oh. Because he was so upset and disgusted with the officials and thought he was being screwed over oh, or whatever. Yeah. Vibes were high. That's and so then cool. they weren't. And then it got, you know, even when they were down eight, I, I was screaming at Georgia, go for two, put it on ice, end it. Mm -hmm. So when they, when they didn't then kick the PAT, I was like, that's going to come back and haunt them. Bama's going to go score. They're going to get the two-point conversion. They're going to win uh, in overtime or at the end of regulation. That's yep. not how it ended up taking place. The pick six. Uh, no. Yeah. Happened yeah. shortly thereafter. Well, Anyways. Oh, well. <laughs> it's a new week. Not like Bama hasn't won before. They'll be okay. We'll be okay. Um, I actually dipped my toes in hockey. I didn't put it in my record sheet, but I went to the Knights game when they played the Leafs on Tuesday and I put out um, a prop and then I took the Leafs, which was kind of messed up for me because I don't like to go to games and not bet the home team, but there was a lot of COVID issues. I just wanted to put that out there. Hockey sharp. For, hockey for, sharp for you hockey order. people. Because we might have to start throwing some hockey in, some basketball once football winds down. So You are undefeated. You've never well, lost a hockey I've, bet. I have never. So... <laughs> Look out. <laughs> not that I know of, but as far as I know, you're 2-0 in my eyes, which is undefeated. Hockey sharp. <laughs> Thank you. All right, before I get emotional, let's get to our special guest today, the man who does not need any introduction, the face of NFL Red Zone, Scott Hansen. Claudia, Joe, good to be with you guys. Good to be with you. Happy wild card, super wild card week. <laughs> it is, it is, and it's going to be weird not seeing you on the TV on Sunday. You're going to have a little more time now. What is that like? What do your Sundays look like from here on out? Well, Sundays nowadays, unlimited bathroom breaks. <laughs> and uh, and I have to watch commercials. Mm. So it's a little little good, a little bad, you know? But no, it's it's nice. It We give everything we've got on NFL Red Zone, and it's an 18-week grind. I know people will, in your audience will say, you watch football for a living. The way we do our show is extremely difficult to produce. And if you watch it and you have some sense of television production, you can get a feel for it. It's exhausting. And then, of course, it's seven hours long with no breaks at all each and every episode. So by the end of the regular season, all of us are ready to exhale a little bit and watch football from the comfort of our couch as mm -hmm. you guys get to each and every week. What's funny is when you say you now have to watch commercials, so do we. Because we are also not used to That's watching commercials. We are used to being with you just in a much more comfortable environment. I think you probably get this a lot too. You contribute to um, a number of very lazy Sundays with very few steps taken. When you look at the old uh, step counter, and you're like, oh, that's 130. And it's That's me, yeah. four o'clock in the afternoon. That's not good. Scott, I, I want to know about last weekend because there were, uh, it, it, going into the Sunday, the final Sunday slate of the regular season, there wasn't a whole lot of, of chaos scenarios unless the Jags beat the Colts. And it really just felt like, but there's just no way. And so it really, there's only a couple of games that mean a whole lot. You have the Rams, the Niners game, and obviously you have the Sunday night matchup um, against the Chargers and Raiders. Then all of a sudden, and it was from the jump, the Jags got to an early lead and you think, okay, at some point the Colts are going to come back. And it's a two score lead in the third quarter. And then Carson Wentz throws another pick and you say, oh my God, this is going to happen. And then you yeah. go you go right into Steelers Ravens, and that went over time when it was almost tied. So I'm curious, do you root for chaos? And when those <laughs> scenarios start to play out, how much fun does that make things for you? Yeah, it's great. I mean, the, the crazier the better, especially on Week 18. 
I have a routine that I always say the phrase, we were built for days like today <laughs> on week 18, well, week 17 prior to this year, but week 18, the season finale. And the reason I say that is for a, a few different reasons. One, because it is the week where all of the, the dominoes are falling, whatever cliche you want to use, the little, the little uh, puzzle pieces fall into place. And if one goes out of whack or something mm. different than what is expected, it just tumbles forward. And then th th this year was unlike any other with the, the monumental nature of the Jags upset over the Colts, coupled with the fact that within 10 minutes of that final happening, we were in overtime mm. of Steelers and Ravens, which should have been moot at that point because the Colts <laughs> would have eliminated either or both of them. And then that game goes deep into overtime and a tie comes into play there, which would have eliminated both teams uh, in, in the Steelers-Ravens game. Mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it was fascinating. And then to push it to the late window, and of course, that was all in the early window where the NFL stacks the last week's schedule with fewer, relatively fewer dramatic scenarios in the early window than the late window. Mm -hmm. And yet the early window provided us with all of that steam. And then we got over to the NFC side with the Rams not being able to close out the 49ers, the 49ers getting in, but the 49ers having to get in because the Saints had won earlier and that put all the pressure on them to not end their season. Then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in the clubhouse with a win, watching the monitors on TV saying, okay, can we jump up to the two seed and potentially get two home games through wildcard and divisional weekend if the Rams tumble and all of that going on. And then, of course, it led up to the game of the year for my money. Raiders Chargers, which obviously wasn't on red zone, mm -hmm. but finished the season in game 272 like very few could have imagined. And so many games came down to those last few minutes, which we call the witching hour. It looks clean on air, of course, but what does it look like behind the scenes uh, during those moments? Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, you two working in the industry, if you came into the studio, you could probably appreciate it more. But for the folks who are watching right now, to try and describe it, I would say some of it is like the coach to quarterback communication system. So I'm in the studio and I'm watching a wall of monitors with whatever, seven, eight, nine games. Uh, seven was the high water mark for this last week. So seven games in front of me, and my eyes are just bouncing around. Now, the folks in the control room, my producer, the director, technical director, and all the other folks that are uh, working on the show, they're watching monitors as well. And we're all trying to anticipate, okay, we're on this game right now, but we might need to get to this game. And the coach to quarterback communication system could work like this. My producer, Brian Nettles, one of our producers, can get in my ear and say, all right, we're on the Seahawks game, and they're on the 40-yard line, but it's third and 10. If they don't get it here, they're probably going to punt. So let's jump over to the Cowboys game because they're on the 26. They're getting close to the red zone. But keep in mind, we've got the Patriots game, which is in commercial break, and they're first and goal from the five. So if they come out of break, you got to get there immediately. Okay, so what, what that equates to, to me as the quarterback, I just got three plays called in my ear. Boom, third and 10, Russell Wilson targets DK Metcalf. Okay, incomplete punt team coming on the field in Seattle. Let's go to Dallas right now. The Cowboys are almost to the red zone. Wait, wait, guys, guys, we just had the Patriots come out of break. First and goal from the five. Let's take you to Gillette Stadium and see if Mac Jones and company can punch it in. So I go to the line of scrimmage, if you will, 
with all these different scenarios in my mind and and ready to execute. And then I have to see what the defense presents itself or what what scenarios play out to be able to go in and, and get you as the audience to the right game at the right moment. So Omaha, Scott, Scott, Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. Scott Hans and Tom Brady, pretty much one of the same. You're the Tom Brady of yeah. TV. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. But no, no, except Tom gets timeouts. He gets three timeouts. <laughs> that's it, yeah. I mean, yep. That's true. <laughs> uh, if someone had to step Tom and say- Tom watches, by the way. Tom has told me he watches on his bye week. Wow. And when they're playing on Monday night football or Thursday night football, he's told me that he told me that NFL Red Zone is his favorite show. That's the cool. goat is the that, fan. That's wow. Kind of, that's kind of crazy. That, that's yeah. a fun fact for you. Uh, if, if Joe or I had to kind of pinch in one weekend, what would be the biggest piece of advice you would have for us? Get ready. Get ready to, I don't know if either of you surf. I have before. But I, okay, I've used a surfing analogy. We as sportscasters, I believe we're like surfers. And a great surfer on flat water can't do anything. You need the waves. It's about the waves. A, a mediocre surfer with huge waves could be in trouble. And NFL Red Zone is a tsunami coming in. It doesn't stop. You never know where or when the action is going to hit. And it's unlike anything else. You're not covering one game. You're not just focused on one roster, two rosters, or two coaching staffs, or two past histories of teams. You're going to be dealing with 20-something variables in that regard. So, Get get your surfboard, get it waxed up, have your skills real sharp, and get ready to jump on the biggest wave that you've ever been on in your career. That would be my advice. And and pee before the show starts. Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> I imagine getting off that wave pretty exhausting. Need some time to decompress. I'm I'm more concerned now about when you get home, decompress. What is that process like for you? I, you or you have earned a nice glass of wine, a glass of whiskey. I'm curious what your beverage of choice is and how you kick your feet up after a long day at the studio. Yeah, so my routine, the show ends, I pop my IFB out, my my earpiece out, and it's it's I've had constant stimulation in my earpiece for 7 hours. Literally when I pull that earpiece out, I have to kind of steady myself <laughs> on the desk. My equilibrium is off because I've had all this noise in my ear for 7 straight hours. Uh I jump in the car, I go home. By the way, I, everyone gets fascinated with the bathroom thing. Believe it or not, my bladder has been trained where when I leave the studio, I usually don't even have to go to the bathroom after seven hours. I can make it all the way home before I have to use the facilities. <laughs> for for those who are interested, and it seems based on when I meet people at bars or airports or restaurants or whatever, everybody seems interested yeah. in that. So I, I drive home. I go over here to my refrigerator, get myself a, a, a tall beverage. One's water, just because I have to rehydrate after the after the show. And then some, you know, I'll mix in, I'll mix in a little like a little Belvedere or something like that with, with some flavored, flavored beverage, a little carbonation in it too. Have take the edge off a little bit. And then this will show you how a junkie I am if, if you don't mind me picking up my camera no, here. Do. I have I have five wow. TVs on my media wall over here, and wow. I constantly have them on. So you would think I'd be tired of watching multiple things at one time. <laughs> Never. I've grown to prefer it. Mm. So Sunday night football will go on the center screen. 
I'll put ESPN and NFL Network on two of the side screens to have highlights running from all the early games, making sure we didn't miss anything on NFL Red Zone. And then I'll punch up one of the news networks and then whatever my Marvel Marvel superhero movie of choice on the other one. And I'll watch five things at the same time as Sunday night football's going on. And then I pop up Twitter to see what the fans were saying about NFL Red Zone during the uh, during the show. So yeah, I'm a junkie when it comes to that, I guess. So, That's one hell of a bachelor pad. It, it really doesn't stop. Uh, but before we get back to Red Zone and some Super Bowl picks, what is the movie of choice? I'm curious now. Oh, well, I mean, you can't go wrong if one of the two, well, one of the, th- well, actually there's four. Oh, okay. One of the four <laughs> Avengers movies is on. Like when, when you come home, I don't know if you've ever noticed, you're, you guys are always watching Sunday Night Football, which I am too. It's just that I have the, the screens all set up. But like TNT or TBS or Sci-Fi Channel or one of those will almost always have either one of the Star Wars movies on, one of the Marvel movies on, one of the Hobbit slash Lord of the Rings movies on. And I like all of those. I like all of those. But if, if I had my druthers, either either Infinity War, uh, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers, the, the first Avengers um, or Endgame. Can't go wrong with Endgame either. I'll take any one of those and then just keep it on. And I can have it on mute because I know all the dialogue already and I can just <laughs> watch all the special effects and stuff. What do you not, I'm, I'm what do, you not do? What do you not do? What I'm trying to tell you, Claudia. <laughs> I've never seen I'm, any I'm of them, so I'm awful, apparently. I'll, I'll have to get, I know, I know. Joe, tell me she has been roasted on this show before for not having seen any of the Marvel movies. Oh, on several occasions. Yeah, yeah. I know. I'm a, I'm a Marvel nerd. I've, I've seen every get... episode of every TV show. I've seen the entire MCU multiple times through in chronological wow. order. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay, let's get back to football, okay? Because I, I, I do Spider-Man, watch football. Uh, right? No Way Home opening night. Yeah, no way. <laughs> All right, and, all right. And whatever. Claudia, I'll, to I'll this point, you were giving me strong Black Widow vibes, but now not <laughs> Was I? Okay. She's like, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Is that Scarlett I'm Johansson? I'm like, kind of thing. Oh, I love her. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll watch. I promise. That's my task this weekend. I will go home and watch some Marvel movies. Um, back to football, though. <laughs> so this season has been crazy, mostly because of the parody. I've been going back and forth. I have like three tickets now for Super Bowl winners. Who are your two teams going to the Super Bowl? No, already we're cutting right to the chase here, huh? Ah, You know, at the beginning of the season, I don't make a lot of predictions. That's it's your guys' business, really. Um, At the beginning of the season, though, I do believe I said Chiefs Packers, which I thought is what it would have been last season. But turns out Tom Brady's still Tom Brady, and then. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and the play calling in that fourth quarter of the NFC title game uh, took home field away from the Green Bay Packers and advanced the Buccaneers. I think the Bucs are a little too dinged up this year, and it's awful hard to repeat and, and have that same fire and passion that you had the first time you're climbing the mountain. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll go Chiefs-Packers. I'll go Chiefs-Packers. And I realize Titans fans are going to hit me up and say, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let's see Derrick Henry back in the lineup and being Derrick Henry before we say, oh, road to the Super Bowl truly goes through Nashville and who's going to get over the top of them because I'm not sure Ryan Tannehill can do it by himself. And that defense has shown a couple of chinks in the armor in in recent weeks. 
Um, and A.J. Brown hasn't been 100% healthy either. So I, I think until until further notice, if somebody can beat Mahomes and Andy Reid and company, fine. But I'll take the Chiefs in the AFC, and I think home field finally means something for the Green Bay Packers here in year three of Rodgers and LaFleur together, and uh, the Packers get back to the back to the Super Bowl. Scott, real quick, with all of our guests, I try to find common ground, especially if um, they are also fans of a terrible sports team. Uh, you're from Detroit. I'm curious if you are a Lions fan, grew up a Lions fan, or main Lions fan, because Misery Loves Company is a Mariners fan myself, one of the sorriest franchises Ooh. in all of sports over the last couple of decades. I'm curious if if maybe you know some of that pain as a, as a, as a Lions fan. Well, I would say this. Lions fans to Mariners fans, very little comparison. Now, you might think so, but you had the Ichiro years. I can still picture, and I realize this is ancient history, Ken Griffey sliding into home plate, you know, and, and uh, winning that game and, and the, the dome almost coming down there. You name commensurate uh, times in the Lions franchise, you can't find them. You can't find them, unfortunately, for Lions fans. So the truth is, yeah, I did grow up in suburban Detroit. I grew up 15 minutes from the old Pontiac Silverdome where they played before Ford Field. And I had many a Thanksgiving made or ruined by the Detroit Lions performance in the early window Thanksgiving traditional uh, traditional NFL game. But I haven't lived in Detroit for years, uh, and they're one of 32 teams to me now. I truly, I do not have a favorite NFL team. Outside of the Iron Bladders, my fantasy football team, <laughs> they, they are my favorite team. And look, if the Lions ever break through and get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, I will be thrilled. But I'll be thrilled more for my high school buddies who still live and die by the Lions each and every week. And I'll be happy for them if the Lions ever break through. But no, sorry for the fans in Detroit. You can call me like a, you know, a bandwagoner who jumped off. It's, you know, I work for the Shield now and, and I could have a favorite team, but the Lions are one of 32. And I can't relate on the whole losing thing because I'm spoiled. a Boston sports fan. So, yeah. yeah. I got to ask you before you go, how did your fantasy, which is the Iron Bladders? How'd you guys do? The Iron Bladders. Iron Bladders. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Did well, I have two. two I, I, I got talked into two teams. My fantasy football take is you should have one team. And I realize that's sacrilege and it probably hurts my industry, my business, if people don't have eight teams at once. But I just can't believe how people go through the conflict of interest each and every week. Well, oh, okay, you know, Tyler Lockett scored a touchdown. Is that good or bad? Well, in three of my leagues, that's good. In four of my leagues, that's bad. In two of my leagues, I'm indifferent about it. I, I can't people I do that. But I have two fantasy football teams, one through the NFL, another one with buddies of mine here in Los Angeles that begged me to join. Uh, playoffs and knocked out of the first round of the playoffs and won. Mm. Lost in the championship game in the second one. Ooh. And it came down to the final game, the Monday night football of week 17, which was the, the uh, Cleveland Browns. And we had, I have a co-owner of that team. We had Nick Chubb. We needed 20-something Big day, but it was doable. And Kevin Stefanski seemed to have forgotten that Nick Chubb was the best player on his team. And we got like six points out of Chubb that night. And so uh -huh. I lost the title game. But you made it yeah. far. You can brag on that. 
So congratulations. It's true. But there's a lot of pressure. <laughs> there's a lot of pressure when you do what I do for a yeah. living. And all my buddies in that league are not NFL employees. <laughs> so they anyone who beats me or us, my co-owner, Josh, right. shout out to Josh if he's watching this. He loves you guys, by the way. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> like they think that they think they won the Super Bowl if they beat me in a random week five fantasy football matchup right. or something. So yeah, you're like I supposed to win. So when you don't, everyone's like, ah, so, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Scott Hanson, thank you so much. We're all going to miss you. The NFL world will miss you on Sundays. I'm happy for your turn next season, but enjoy the time off. Enjoy your micheladas and your uh, drink of choice as you sit on your couch and watch the game. Scott Hanson, you can find him on Twitter now at Scott Hanson. Thanks so much, Scott. Guys, keep up the great work. Enjoy the playoffs. Scott Hanson. It's so weird to see him in his own place and not, I, I'm like, you think that he lives at that desk because that's all we see him at? <laughs> like, is that where he sleeps? His no. voice is just like so distinct. And he's got, he's a voice that was just made for broadcasting. Uh-huh. And you hear it and he's just having a conversation with you about whatever. Yeah. And you just hear him. Oh wow! Are we gonna go over to this game, and then this is happening. And you seven kinda, hours. He gave you a little. He gave you a little clip of that, and you're like, "That's exactly what I hear." And I, I sit on my couch and listen to him for for seven hours, and he was yeah. great. He was awesome. He, he's tremendous at what he does. Um, I, I think, like you said, it's easy to watch it and be like, "Oh, this is super easy." You just go from we're gonna go to this game, and then that, and it's no mm-hmm. big deal. But um, the chaos that he sort of describes and the, the picture he paints was pretty cool um, yeah. for him to pull back the curtain for us and have him you know, give his time. It was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. And he talked about the chaos. We've talked about the craziness all season long. It continues, I'm sure, this week. We'll see if there's any upsets for Super Wild Card Weekend. Instead of, instead, instead, instead of taking two games each, Joe and I are going to run through the whole slate. We'll tell you if we're taking a side, if we're leaning a side, and um, see if we agree with each other. So let's start with the Raiders and Bengals, the Saturday early game. Bengals are laying five and a half. It's been a while since either team got a playoff win here. 2003 for the Raiders, Bengals all the way back in 1991. And at first, when I looked at the slate, I said, I feel like this is the only game that I feel comfortable laying the points with because I took a lot of favorites last week and pretty much every single one of them did not hit. So I told myself this week, I'm going to go in and look for some dogs I like this is a favorite, though. I feel like I can't get away from the Raiders scare me, though, because they're still in this thing. They, shockingly. Shockingly. They've overcome a lot of issues, and they're also just playing pretty good. Let's talk about the total here set at 49. You can get the Raiders. If you have faith in the Raiders, you can get them with the points, or you can play them at plus 195 on the money line. So good value there. Last time we saw them in November, they met here in Vegas. Bengals won 32 to 13. There were only one and a half point favorites there. But the Raiders got a fight at him. I don't really know what it is. They got blown out by the Chiefs, but since then, small margin victories, but still victories over the Browns, Broncos, Colts, Chargers. Of course, we just talked about it with Scott, a huge win over the Chargers last week. But I think the key was there as they exploited what we already knew, and that was that the Chargers can't stop the run. The Bengals' run defense is much better than the Chargers. They're giving up the fifth fewest rush yards a game. And as good as Justin Herbert was, the Bengals' offense, I think I trust a whole lot more. I think it's a lot more well-rounded. Joe Burrow in the last two games, 78% completion percentage, almost 1,000 yards, eight touchdowns, and zero interceptions. I, I don't know if I have too much faith. I don't know if we're on this bandwagon way too much with the Bengals, if I should be a little more worried about the Raiders, especially getting Darren Waller back. As a lifelong Bengals fan, you know, I can tell you, this is our time. 
We have waited for this. We suffered through the Marvin Lewis era. We dealt with Andy Dalton being good, but not good enough. <laughs> no more underachieving. This team is ahead of its timeline, ready to compete for a title now. Okay. I have already put my future in for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. They are going to win this game. I have already vowed weeks ago that I will go down with the ship betting against the Las Vegas Raiders, and I will continue to bet against them. That being said, I'm real nervous about this one. Yeah. The, the Raiders are like a good version of the Steelers. Like, the Steelers are terrible and somehow find ways to win games. Like, there's not a Steelers game you've watched this year, but like, man, this looks like a good football team outside of TJ Watt in the defensive line. Yes. Cameron Hayward, total boss. Uh, the Raiders are that just like a tick better with a quarterback who has a functioning arm. And Derek Carr deserves his due. Oh, He's yeah. been great in clutch moments time and time again this year. The fact that they're unbeaten, was it four overtime games this year? They went overtime four times, looking at my producer, four times or 4-0. Mm. Derek Carr deserves his due. I just still can't wrap my head around this team being a legit contender. Um, and you look at the wins that they have, like you mentioned, small margins. Um, I'm on the Bengals. I'm on them to cover. I'm going to tease them down to where it's a pick them. I want to put them in a money line parlay. I am riding with the Bengals. I just hope they don't choke. This is the end of the streak here. They haven't mm -hmm. won a playoff game since the 1990 season. It was in January of 91. This is when the drought ends. This weekend, first game. I, what also sucks is that if they lose this game, it's that's how we start wildcard weekend with, oh. with our favorite team losing. That would be brutal. But it's not going to happen. Lives no. are going to be going up. That was my noise for up. Uh, are you worried about Waller coming back? Because I know he played last week, but he only had two catches on nine targets, 22 yards. But if you look back to the last time they, they matched up, he had 112. So he's going to be a huge part of that offense that we haven't been seeing the past few games. It worries me a little. Yeah. An offense has scored 13 points against the Bengals. Who did? <laughs> Riding with the Bengals. And with and that, half. we move on. Uh, the Saturday late game, my New England Patriots. Did you did you At affirm? Are you all, you're on Bengals? I'm on Bengals. Yeah, I, I right, said you that's, felt wishy-washy to me, and I want you to stay on this bandwagon with me. It is the only team that team. I do feel confident laying the points with. Okay. The Raiders do scare me. But yes, Bengals. Who did? Who did? D-E-Y. Dat is Saints. Who day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, who day? Yeah. Day. Anyways. Patriots getting four against the Bills. <laughs> I got I to gotta take my emotions all out of this. Like, I want to tease the Patriots because I do have faith in them. But if I had to, if I had to pick, I would lay four with the Bills as long as it stays four. Uh, as we all know, they split the regular season games, the road team winning each time. Weather, though, was a huge factor in that first game. That is why I was on the Patriots' money line at the time. I felt lucky to be getting the points at the time. Not the same here. Uh, temperatures below 10 degrees, 12 mile per hour winds, no snow though. So I don't think it's going to be a, ma a major issue. And unfortunately, the Patriots do need as much help as they can because lately they need help. Mac Jones in the last four games, under 60% completion, five interceptions. Leaning on the run game and defense, no matter how good it is, is only going to last so long, especially through the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills load the box, force Mac to throw, especially right now with him not doing that great over the past few games. And the other issue for me, too, is the Patriots' pass defense is supposed to be one of the best right up there with the Bills. 
But the last matchup, they let Josh Allen put up 314 passing, 428 total yards. If we're going off of this two-game sample size, I expect to see more of what we saw in the second game versus the first. I do expect it to be closer than the last game, which was a 12-point difference. Patriots have to clean it up. They have to play really solid at their strengths, and Mac Jones just has to be. I know it's so much to ask from a rookie quarterback who, who is on this team that is known as being great. Who He's filling Tom Brady's shoes. Like I know it's a lot to ask, but they just have to play clean football here if, if they want to get the win. This is a beautiful emotional hedge spot for you. It, there you go. It's true. It's perfect. Because yeah. you're, you're still betting on the better team. That's true. The issue is, is if you bet on the Bills minus four and they, they win, or the bet and they win by three, then your Patriots still lose and you lose your bet. I, you know, I, and I will say, I'm finding not, a Bills live line at plus money or like around even money would be beautiful for you, right? Yeah, this is absolutely, this is definitely a prop game for me. And I don't, I don't want to sound like that fan. Like, obviously, I work in sports, so I put emotions aside. But you're right. And I do think it could go either way. It really just depends. I, I'll probably know within the first five minutes of this game because the Patriots come out strong. They play strong. If they get behind early, then I'm not going to feel great. So I'll probably look to props here. But yeah, the, the Bills are arguably the best team in football. The, the issue is that they've, they've had so many egregious performances. They're 0-5 in one-score games, which is shocking. Except when you go back and look at the tape and you say, oh, the Jags game and mm. the Titans game. And, um, there are a number of, of games, obviously, that, that they didn't show up to. And all 11 of their wins are by 12-plus points. So when they're on, they are the best team in football. Their defense is one of the best, if not the best, in football. Josh Allen is an MVB caliber guy in terms of what he does comprehensively. He's In so many games, he's obviously their quarterback, but he's their running game as well. And we saw that in the first matchup against the Patriots. Now, Devin Singletary has been uh, more involved of late, which I like. There's a little bit more balance to this offense. He's had 19-plus carries in three of their last four games, 86-plus yards in all three of those games. He's also scoring with five touchdowns over his last four games. So I think that helps a little to where it doesn't have to be Josh Allen playing superhero ball on a down-to-down -down basis. But in a game that you think is going to be close, the home team gives them an edge better quarterback gives them an edge. The Patriots will hang around because they're too well coached and too complete on both sides of the football to not hang around. But give me Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs over um, Mac Jones and a really, really strong running game, but a collection of, of receiving targets that to me are Solid but unspectacular. Yeah. He I needs think, a he needs a guy. That's my thing. Give yeah. Mac Jones a guy. Let them have an option. Which is interesting. And, they spent a ton of money on all of the pieces, but the it wasn't necessarily the one. Yeah. Where the Bills went and got Stefan Diggs, mm -hmm. that guy. I'm with you. So I'm, I'm also on Bills minus four. <sighs> the poor Patriots. You're right. That is a good emo hedge for me if it pulls through. <laughs> uh, the Sunday early game: Eagles at Bucks. One of the bigger spreads on the board. Bucks laying eight and a half. The total dropped from 49 and a half down to 46. And that's because of the weather. Rain, wind in the forecast. Something to keep an eye on. That is a pretty heavy drop. Strength versus strength here. Eagles run game versus the Bucks run defense. I think the question is, which is stronger? And if you look at traditional stats, you look at advanced stats. It's the Eagles run game. The most rush yards a game. Third ranked rush offensive DVOA. However, Miles Sanders hasn't played since breaking his hand two weeks ago. You have to wonder when he does play if that's going to affect his ball security. 
Tampa does allow the third fewest rush yards. So when I'm talking standard, standard versus advanced stats, standard for me is just how many passing yards, how many rushing yards per game. Advanced is DVOA, so basically how those stats look versus every other team. You really take into account matchups and yardage when it comes down to certain plays in the game. So Tampa does allow the third fewest rush yards standard. DVOA is not as good, but traditional says they should be able to keep up here. On offense, Tom Brady continues to dominate the league in passing, putting up the most passing yards a game. Now getting strength back in the run game with Fournette and Bernard designated to return. So as much as the Eagles have wins racked up, and this is kind of like, I keep going back and forth between strength of schedule. Because of the parity, I don't think we can base too much off of strength of schedule. But if you look at the Eagles' wins, Washington, Giants, Jets, Saints. So as much as I don't want to overreact, those teams are not quite the offensive firepower that the Bucs have, regardless of how many injuries the Bucs are dealing with. So with that said, I don't think I would lay eight and a half, but this is definitely a tease spot that I love with the Bucs. I think the tease both ways makes sense because at eight and a half, you tease at six and can get it over four, over two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. My gut tells me I want to take the Eagles here because it is a lot of points. and They are able to control the clock with a running game that, that has been one of the best in football. But it is a strength-on-strength strength situation. And so if it's a strength-on-strength, strength, you err on just the side of the better team. The weather is also, I think, a... a, a a leveling the playing field aspect to it where you give the benefit to the worst team in crappy weather because they I just they aren't going to be impacted negatively as much as the Bucks would. I also I think Levante David coming back from injury is he as he's practicing this week is expected to play. Leonard Fournette, same with him. Uh Shaq Barrett, same with him. So they are getting reinforcements that they've sorely missed. Mm-hmm. Their passing game is still beat up. Mike Evans and Gronk have been great, but they they do miss Antonio Brown. They do miss Chris Godwin. Those are big pieces that aren't there. Who both had big games. I am Eight. super yeah. torn. And this will be a lean, not a play for me. Um, but my gut says, roll with the defending champs. And I'm literally, I've flipped a coin on this over and over again. Bet on the better team. Take the Bucks minus eight and a half. And if, and if the Eagles are able to hang around, then we get to enjoy a better game. I'm going to stay away play-wise, but if those are sort of my leans, I, I can sell myself on the other side of this. So that, That's why I like the, the tease spot, because you do get it down you know, under a field goal. The Eagles have one win over a team with a winning record. They've come close against good teams, but I think if you do get that number down, it helps. You make a good point with the passing game. AB had 93 yards. Godwin had 43 receiving in that last game when they played. So, of course, that's going to take a big hit. And you mentioned the weather, but like it's Tom Brady. You know, like he, he's used to it. He played in New England. So, I agree that it will help with the Eagles having a strong run game in this weather. But... Yeah, still. remember that that matchup in week six. I mean, it was 28-22 was the final, but it was a... And then the line was similar. Mm-hmm. It was a miracle cover at the end for the Eagles where they scored. And then the Bucs, they were in the red zone inside the 10-yard line were able to salt the clock away instead of having to go score or even kick a field goal. So, yeah. yeah. I'm with you here. I'm taking the Bucs. All right, cool. We'll move on then. Uh, nice little rivalry Sunday matchup with the Niners and Cowboys. Cowboys the favorite here, laying three. Total 51. I'm going to tease the Niners. I know that you like the Niners. I'll give you your, your little soapbox after, but... I'm going to tease them here just to play it safe because I like getting them with the Bucks. 
Uh, Cowboys are getting healthy at the right time. All major players, 100%. Tony Pollard had a full practice. Micah Parsons is back, which is, of course, huge. Six in the NFL in sacks. Zeke Elliott not on the injury report. The only issue for me with the Cowboys is even when they are healthy, even when they do have key players back, they're just so inconsistent. I don't know what to expect from this offense. And it's the opposite case with the Niners as of right now. They have been consistent. Top 10 on offense and total yards a game. Number one in red zone efficiency. Strong run game. They finished the regular season winning and covering four of the last five, including wins against the Rams and the Bengals. Only a three-point loss to the Titans. Jimmy G got hurt in that game. The defense overall has been top five, specifically against the pass. Pass rush, one of the best. I do expect them to give an already inconsistent Cowboys offense some troubles, which pains me because this Cowboys team really has all of the pieces to be great, but I don't trust them. Yeah, I'm taking the Niners any way I can get them. I'm going to tease them. I'm going to take the money line. I'm going to take them with the points. I love the Niners here. I think the Cowboys are good, but they've got to have one of the more uninspiring 12-win resumes that you've ever seen. And part of that comes to the territory of playing in a god-awful division. And not take any disrespect to the Eagles who are in the playoffs, and they've been largely good. But if that's the second best team, the other two are in the the basement, um, you look at their wins since their bye in week seven. So on Halloween, they beat the Vikings with Cooper Rush, arguably one of their most impressive wins of the season. Since then, they beat the Falcons, the Saints, who were competitive all year. So I guess you give them that. Um, Washington twice, the Giants, and the Eagles led by Gardner Minshew in week 18. It hasn't been great. They lost to the Raiders on Thanksgiving. They only scored nine points in a loss against the Chiefs. They got smoked by the Broncos. They lost to the Cardinals in Week 17, a Cardinals team that that has been terrible for the last month, losing the three straight games before that, and then also losing in Week 18 to the Seahawks. Their one win is against this Cowboys team, um, and it was at home. Dallas lost that game. I love the Niners, and I will I will leave the rest of my analysis for our winning pick section, which gives you a tease of where I'm headed. Um, but I do like the Niners here a whole heck of a lot. Yeah, I mean, man, it's really hard to go against Devo Samuel. <laughs> Cowboys are 31st in yards after the catch allowed, too, so you might want to look to some, some target props, maybe some catch props with him. Um, let's move on to Steelers at Chiefs. This is the biggest uh, point spread on the board. Chiefs laying 13. So yeah, I don't want to lay 13 with anyone <laughs> just because of how these games have gone. But if anyone, it would probably be this matchup where I do. However, I would take the first half if I had to choose. Seven and a half, a lot easier than 13. And the Steelers have only scored only one first half touchdown in the last seven games of the season. So they're not quite a first half team. They could come back, especially with the confidence that Andy Reid has in the Steelers, he says they're playing like a number one seed team right now. Good one, Andy. <laughs> All right, Andy. But it honestly sort of worries me because Big Ben comes out and he's saying what everyone's thinking. But he says it. He's the quarterback of this team. And he goes, yeah, we have no chance. We shouldn't be here. So let's have fun. Here I am watching. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, is he going to go out there and just have 500 passing yards, three touchdowns? Oh, no. Unless there are like four 80-yard screen passes, 
You ain't getting to 500 yards. Yeah, I'm like, he either goes out there and rips it and they win or he throws 10 picks in the first half. And I'm like, I don't oh. think his arm is capable of ripping it. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm saying the way that he came out, when it's like that, I won't use the word, but the effort mentality, it's like, oh no. It worries me a little, but not actually. Does, it doesn't worry it, it does. me at all. Keeps it exciting. Oh, Andy Reid has faith in the Steelers. Big Ben. Uh, Chiefs won the first matchup 36-10, led 30 to nothing halfway through the third quarter. Not much has changed here in terms of personnel, roster, injuries, etc. Chiefs are the better team. On top of it, the Steelers' biggest weapon in Najee Harris has not practiced this week dealing with an elbow injury. You don't know how that's going to play out in the game. Again, 13 points is a lot to lay, but if you like your trends, home double-digit favorites are a perfect 5-0 against the spread in wild card round since 2003. If it's possible, the Chiefs are probably the ones to do it. Yeah, the, the Chiefs are going to cover this. And I know I gave my hammer lock value whale play of the, the year last week, and they didn't cover against the Broncos <laughs> inexplicably. So stupid. I'm doubling down on another hammer lock value whale mm. special dynamite triple diamond play of the week. No, I just don't see how the Steelers hang around at all. I mean, unless the defense is just dominant, which it hasn't been for most of the season. TJ Watts has been incredible. Cameron Hayward has been incredible. But give me the Chiefs here at home. Minus 13 is a ton, but I like this first half at seven and a half. Take them covering 13. The Steelers are a really bad team, and I just... It's inexplicable that they're even here to begin with. So I will be laying the points with the Chiefs. Well, if Joe just convinced you with his double, triple, hammer, diamond, whale pick right there. It's 0-1 on the year, but it's about to get back to 500. <laughs> just like I'm a perfect record in hockey. Uh, if you like that, if you like any actually of those games. actually nothing like that because just... I didn't win last week. I'm, I've never <laughs> won one of those. The confidence level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But if you liked any of those games, you could throw them in a parlay. And uh, put them with some other, whether you like props, first half, full game, anything. Throw it in a parlay. Build your own bet. $20 or more. Win, lose, push. Doesn't matter now through January 17th. So you only have a few more days. Each one is an entry to get some awesome prize packages, including a trip to Shaq's Funhouse in Los Angeles. Or a trip here, which is also great. The Win Las Vegas. You can come hang out with me and Joe. Head to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for that fun. And now, <laughs> winning picks. So, you know, me and Joe bet a lot. We Throughout the week, we, we throw in different bets, whether it's on the show, whether it's on Twitter. These winning picks, we're both 0-3 right now. But we both have had good stretches throughout the season. This does not define us. I started the season 0-4, and, and then I had a hot streak, so it's, it might define me. It, <laughs> I'm okay holding these L's. Okay, well. I still sleep at night. I shot a 75 on Wednesday. That's, you know, everything else is just gravy. Right, right. We should have brought like a like a crucifix or like some sage in or whatever you have to do to like exercise demons. I agree. If, which it will hit, but if it doesn't, then we'll bring in sage and we'll. On Tuesday. On yeah. Tuesday. Okay. We will not go on for it. Because I love this teaser at plus 140 on WinBet. We're getting the Bucks down to two and a half, Niners plus nine, and Chiefs minus seven. I know we just talked these games, so I'll give you a brief overview of why I love this so much. The Bucks have mostly a clean slate at home, seven and one. They're only lost to the Saints, and we know how Brady is against the Saints. 
winning the rest by an average of 20 points per game. They're getting their weapons back in the run game on top of continuing to dominate through the air. The Eagles have one of the best run games in football right now, but they're back and Miles Sanders is coming off injury and the Bucks run defense has held their own this season. I love the Bucks with the spread, especially love them at tease down here. And the Niners. I might not be as hot as Joe is on them, but I am high on them. Cowboys are finally healthy, but it's their inconsistency that makes me worried, that makes me lean San Francisco here. Jimmy G and crew have won and covered in four of the last five. Since week nine, they are number one in the NFL in yards per play in non-garbage time, while ranking fifth on defense. They should be able to pressure Dak with the second most sacks since week nine and threaten the pass game while dominating the run game on offense. And lastly, the Chiefs laying seven against the Steelers. The Chiefs won by almost 30 last time. They led 30-nothing halfway through the third quarter. I know Big Ben is expected to get out there and wing it, but no matter how many times he throws it, he has to get it into the end zone to make a difference. And they've scored only one first-half touchdown in the last seven games this season. I expect the Chiefs to create a big enough lead to cover under a touchdown by the end of it. I love that. I am going to go with a money line, keeping it simple. And I teased it earlier in the show. I'm going the Niners money line at plus 135. I love the Niners. Obviously, this could age poorly in just a couple of days. The Dallas Cowboys are a damn good team. They won 12 games for a reason. But I think this Niners team is far closer to the Super Bowl version of itself from a couple of years ago than people want to realize. The defense might not be as dominant. It's still very good. D'Amico Ryans has been tremendous. Should probably be the assistant coach of the year in the NFL. They're top 10 in scoring defense and yards allowed. The pass rush is elite with Nick Bosa. The secondary is getting healthy. They hope to have Kwan Williams and Joukowsky Tart back in the fold. Ambry Thomas, their third round pick, stepped up with the game ceiling interception to send the Niners to the playoffs in week 18 against the Rams. And the offense, can Jimmy G get it done? He's already done it. We've seen this team make the Super Bowl. As long as Jimmy avoids the egregious turnover, which is a monster if. This, this offense is arguably more explosive than the version that made the Super Bowl. Debo Samuel, now in his third season, an elite playmaker in this game. George Kittle, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Elijah Mitchell. This offense is loaded, like you mentioned, in terms of the yards for play or last month. They have been better than anybody. I love the Niners here. You can get them still on win bet at plus 2,500 to win the Super Bowl. It's worth a sprinkle. This team is that complete and that good. I love San Francisco this weekend. I'm all in on the Niners. All in, baby. Let's go. I'm excited. It'll be. And I'm good, so sorry weekend. if I just jinxed it. <laughs> I like how on Twitter, <laughs> Joe posted something and some guy goes, I just fade every pick you give out. <laughs> and Joe goes, probably smart. <laughs> That's why you got, that's how you have to do it. Like these past two weeks were one of my, I, I had a really good stretch there in these past two weeks when I went like two and four last week and some guys like, I usually like your picks, but not this week. I'm like, thanks buddy. I don't like them either. <laughs> People don't realize betting is so hard to do down the stretch here when the lines are really tight, but all like as, as tight as the lines are, then you have these massive upsets. We can't predict the future. People. I, I don't take it that seriously. I'm going to be honest, folks. And I love the people who want to be like, woof, after a pick loses. It's like, yeah, now. <laughs> well, that's like, that was like the Bama Georgia. Like, Joe and I were both on Bama. And after the game, everyone's like, I can't believe you took Bama. I'm like, really? Because if I took Georgia like I did in the SEC championship in Georgia. How do you bet against Nick Saban? He yeah, never loses as an no, underdog. No one's 
ever yeah. happy. And that's why it's just foo-foo, shoo-shoo, whatever. I had someone on Twitter the other, other day go, uh, oh, I would have bet the house on whatever the other side of the bet was. And it's like. But did you? But did you? Well, <laughs> I don't bet. You? Then get out of my mentions. <laughs> I'm done with you. Yeah. Totally. We're going to have a great weekend. Twitter's a fun place. I believe. That is episode 34, Pack Show. We broke down the whole slate. We had Scott Hansen. We laughed. We cried. And we will see you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>